From the city of Beaky Blinders, Birmingham, England, I would like to introduce you to Paddy Dandar. As the world becomes more automated and the robots take over, it's imperative that we build the right human skills for the future. So pull up a chair, grab a smoser or two, and make yourself very uncomfortable. Hey folks, thank you for joining us for another episode of the Superpower School podcast. I'm your host, Paddy Dander. And on today's show, if there's any budding coaches or people looking to try some really cool techniques that are going to help you with your self-help, then I think this is the episode for you. On today's show, I have a really good friend of mine who is an amazing coach. She's a business coach and a educator of other coaches. She's the founder of Moving Maps. And she's an all-round lovely person. So I'm going to try and get her full name right because I have never had to say her surname before. So Claudia Filsinger, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Paddy, for the introduction. I'm really pleased to be here because what I actually think is the ultimate superpower. Some people might disagree with it, so we can see at the end. But what I'm going to talk about is critical reflection. And it is the ultimate superpower, I think, because it underlies all the other skills. Yes. Yeah? So it's a kind of a meta skill. If you do that well, you can really accelerate your learning and your practice and the way how you use any skill. So, so that's why I think it's really super important. Mm. Oh, that sounds really interesting. So critical reflection. That's mm. one that I think many of us could do with. I have no idea how you're going to explain this. So I'm really intrigued because I think I need to do more of this critical reflection for myself. But before we get into that, Claudia, can you give us a bit of background about yourself and how you got to be so passionate about this topic? Yeah. So I think why I'm so passionate about it is because I always liked learning and, you know, personal learning personal development, thinking about my work. So yeah, everyone is doing a lot of reflection. And so my corporate background is in sales, working in international companies. So so always loved that working across cultures. And then in 2010, I started a master's in coaching. And that was really quite eye-opening to me because of the critical reflection. So now being involved in training other coaches, I always ask that, you know, that People think they come and learn the coaching skills, which they do, but it also means if you learn to coach, you also learn to coach yourself. And that's why your introduction was spot on, Paddy, and why I think this skill is so important because it's a very useful self-coaching skill that you can do quick, fast with yourself without any tools or anything. So, yeah. And then, so just in terms of my background, so I, that's how I got into working as a business coach, training other coaches, supervising other coaches. And that is actually doing critical reflection with coaches. That's what supervision. So you can also do it with other people, with groups, one-to-one. And I'm just really always interested in new techniques, applying it in different ways, adapting it, combining it, you know, with visual creative methods. Critical reflection. Who might be interested in this particular set of techniques, do you think? So it's a very established practice. So, you know, there is the term reflective practice. And in fact, there are quite a lot of professions where you have to do it. It, It's part of becoming accredited by professional bodies, part of practicing, etc. 
So it might be useful at this point to think a bit about the history, you know, where it's come from, where it's used already. And I think especially in business, you know, anybody who wants to think about their work, their development, leadership, etc., it can be used much, much more. So the professions where it came from were originally like really life and death situations, you know, like pilot in the medical world, it's part of teacher training, so, and then also therapy and coaching. And, you know, some courses in business schools have it as well as part of their MBAs, their undergraduate programs, etc. And for some professions, you have to do it ongoing. And I think in law now also, it also come in that lawyers also have to do reflective practice. And so it's really so universally applicable. It's for everyone who wants to accelerate their learning, basically. And that has become more important because as we are more virtual in our work with our colleagues, I mean, not everyone, but a, a lot, the informal learning has reduced so much. Yeah. So, you know, so my background is sales, so I'll probably use quite a few examples of here, but in that context, because people don't drive in the car after the customer meeting together and debrief and reflect together anymore. You know, they come off a Zoom call more than in the past. They're not driving the taxi to the airport or whatever on the train. So that informal water cooler conversations, it's much less in virtual and hybrid teams. So that's why I think everybody should do critical reflection to work through challenges, but also, and that's very often forgotten, also to look at why did it go something well? Yeah. So it's not just for difficulties and problems. It's also, you know, I think of entrepreneurs, people who want to develop their career, who want to develop their business, new partnerships. It's really for opportunities, reaping opportunities. It's literally for anybody, I guess, is what you're saying there, because hmm. we all need to yeah. reflect on whether things have gone badly or well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the problem is that because of the, you know, the speed of change has accelerated, people are under a lot of pressure. There's lots of moving parts. The issue is that people don't take time. So, so that's the big thing. It, it's really because you use a mechanism, it makes you slow down and take the time and think through something through in a little bit more detail. So yeah, I, I think it might be a good time now to actually go into how, you know, how does it work and how to do it? How does that sound to you, Paddy? Yeah, that would be awesome because something that was buzzing in my head there was what is the difference between critical reflection and just reflection generally? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. I'd love for you to bring this to life yeah, for yeah. us. So the way you can use it, if you think about time, you know, in a temporal sense, you can use it before you do something you can use it while you do something, the thinking on your feet, and you can do it after you do something. I'll give a few books at the end, but basically it's called, you can reflect for action, like planning, for example. And of course, people do that. Yeah. You plan for businesses, for marketing campaigns, uh, you plan for projects, uh, you plan for whatever you want to do. You plan for expanding the team, future employees, scaling up, etc. But if you reflect, you go a bit deeper. Yeah. So you don't just think about what needs to happen, but you think about, you know, people, their needs, relationships, and in particular, obstacles are quite useful to reflect before you go into something. Because it's been shown that if you reflect on potential challenges, you are much more likely to overcome them. I mean, I have to say, I always find the challenges I reflect on are then not the ones that are coming up, but just having considered them that it's not all plain sailing and, you know, there might be some challenges to overcome, then makes people more realistic and then they have more resilience and bounce back. 
And that is the first uh, reading reference. So that is called Mental Contrasting. And the author is Gabriele Oettingen. So she's been a researcher looking into that in a little bit more detail. So, you know, it's not all pos positive thinking had the limit. Yeah. So if you consider the potential challenges, then you bounce back more likely. So that's quite a useful thing for reflecting for action. So before you go into something. Yeah. And actually another quick example. So, you know, I do that before I have a coaching meeting, you know, I think about sort of the work that I've been doing up to now with the coachee, but then also, you know, bring the coachee in the room and think about them, their personality, what uh, concerns they might have, what questions might be on their mind, et cetera, et cetera, what information I need to give. And you can do that also just for writing an email, yeah, or sort of internal communication piece. So, so that's where you plan for action. You just think a bit more than what needs to be done. Awesome, because I've actually got a meeting on Tuesday okay. next week where I have to present to a bunch of senior people about the health of my portfolio at work. So mm. it's a bit of a daunting task because A, I've got to make sure I'm really on the ball with all of the information and that I really can articulate the message and some of the big takeaways I've got to be really clear on because these are senior people. They're not going to hang around and listen to me yap on for an hour and a half. They just want those headlines from me. So it's a bit of a daunting conversation. So I was just trying to apply this to yeah. maybe even that meeting. Yeah. And that's where we can start talking about the criticality, actually. So, you know, so you, so the first part of the reflection is where you describe the facts. Mm -hmm. So you just describe the, you know, just the context of this meeting coming up, the people involved, yourselves. And the criticality is that you think also about things like, for example, how is the power, the hierarchy coming in? Yeah. So these are senior people. Are they more senior than you? What impact does that have on you? So by preparing and thinking that through, you know, because if people pay maybe too much attention of that, it might hinder them to get out their fantastic messages and the things people really want to listen to, you know, and these unique things you have, your talents, your information, et cetera. So, so that's where the criticality comes in, where you look at maybe how is power hierarchy at play in an unhelpful way? Yeah. What impact might it have on you or them, et cetera? And then this, the second part is, so you, we're going now into how you actually do reflect. There's a cycle there. So the first one is you reflect on the fact. The second one is that you think about your feelings and your thinking. Yeah. So some people, again, have an autopilot. They're quite in tune with their emotions. For others, it's more they're thinking through more rationally. So you can balance there. You should think about both. So what you're doing here, and that's what's called a metacognitive skills, you're thinking about your thinking. So, so you are spotting thinking patterns you have, maybe, you know, going too much to the feelings or too much to just the thinking and not balancing each other's out. And you identify these thinking patterns. Or I think yesterday you did, was it about the inner critical voices, the podcast you did? I think you just released a podcast on inner critical voices, the inner talk, the self-critical talk. So the, the skill here is that you notice that the self-critical talk goes on. Yeah, that's what reflection is doing. So if you don't reflect, you might not notice that this is impacting you in a negative way. So if you reflect and you notice before, you can then think about, okay, how can I turn this inner critical voice, which has their role, 
maybe more in my inner mentor. Yeah. So what do I need to do to maybe put it in the cupboard? Like it's just you have a cupboard here behind you. Maybe put the critical voice in the cupboard behind you. Or or maybe how is it useful to keep me on my toes, you know, and to do whatever I want to work on and improve, etc. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. That episode was about mental toughness and yeah, that self-talk yeah. was a, a topic that we discussed. So that's where you've got this inner voice, as you mentioned, that's constantly telling you, oh, I can't do this. Every mm. time someone says, yeah, could you get this done by next week? And that little voice is going, oh, I'm not sure. And it's mm. constantly being quite negative. Yeah. And it's how do you either put that voice away is what I yeah. think you're saying or turn it into a, a positive voice. Yeah, that's right. And that brings us actually to the second use of reflection is during action. Yeah. So in action. And I go a bit faster here because it's when we talk about after action, the review, the reflection after action, if you do that a lot, that helps you with that thinking on your feet. Yeah. So the reflection during action is that in our dialogue, those questions like, Oh, shall I say this or that? Shall I ask this question or shall I listen? So, so you constantly go through this inner process, this inner dialogue of actions and you take choices. And that really helps you to notice that again in a useful way. So it's not distracting too much from listening and being present with the client or, or to, you know, and sometimes you might even say, Oh, let me just think about what you've just said. And or you co-create, you know, you say, okay, so, so where next? What, where to go from here? So if you do lots of after action reviews, reflections, that really, and I really have experienced that myself and people say that a lot, that really builds your muscle to reflect in the moment. And I think that's often overlooked when companies invest in training their people in coaching. They always think of this as an investment in training people to coach others, you know, often line managers or leaders or anybody who wants to be in an internal coach pool. But but what's really overlooked, I think, is that it develops so much that self-coaching reflection in the moment capacity. And people always say how it changes even how they approach meetings, communication, how they write an email, that they're much more conscious of their choices, the other person, etc. With this approach to critical reflection, are we saying before I go into that situation, I'll do that pre-framing mm -hmm. and, the, and the, those pre-actions? Yeah. Whilst I'm actually now in that meeting and it's running, I'll do that doing part of it. Or do we do all of this kind of upfront, but we're almost imagining ourselves in each of those phases of whatever yeah. the thing is that we're about to do? One thing I think people should do is group coaching, you know, if someone goes to a really important meeting, all the colleagues should go together and coach this one person. And really, you know, sometimes if you have an important meeting, you know, some people prepare a day or an hour or whatever is needed, but that is part of it, that reflection in more depth. Then you do it in your head through this inner dialogue while you are in the moment. But it's, you know, it's quite a sophisticated skill because you need to do it so it's not distracting. So people can get caught in the analysis paralysis. So it's a bit like these sort of mindfulness approaches to notice, oh, the inner critic's kicking off. Okay. Let's just focus on listening again. Yes. Yeah? So okay. So it's developers in the moment, like, you know, focusing on what the other person is saying, going into listening mode. And that sort of helps. 
with the unhelpful inner dialogue. And then, so it might be useful time now to talk about the after action reflection. And I'll finish off the process we started earlier. So after something happened, it's quite useful to take a bit of time. And in the professions where you have to do this formally, it's actually reflective writing. Yes. So a lot of professions have that part of their education, like in nursing, doctors, et cetera, therapists. And you have to, you have to evidence that you can do reflective writing at the appropriate depth. And that's where the critical reflection comes in because the first part is that you look at, okay, what happened? What were the facts? And you can expand that a bit by not just thinking who was there, but you know, where was it? When was it? Was everyone hungry? And that's why the decision didn't quite go as expected as was everyone tired because it was 10 o'clock at night. You know, what just happened before? What's the history? What are the loyalties? So you can expand a little bit on what you describe, but the idea is that you're sort of very descriptive and you put down the facts and then you go into that thinking feeling. So in the moment, but also now, after the event happened, what are your thoughts and feelings now? Because they might have changed and you've done a little bit of reflection already. And then, so, so this is all still quite descriptive. It's more like an observation. And now we come to the critical part. And that is really where, you know, how, for example, you know, what glasses you wear influences what you see. Yes. Yeah? So for example, am I wearing glasses? Am I wearing normal glasses? If I put on sunglasses, you know, it looks very different what I'm seeing if I'm putting on sunglasses. And that's where the criticality comes in, that it's the questions you ask yourself. You know, so power differential, how does personality come in here? How, you know, sometimes things play out like the future of the organization, the ambition, the values, you know, is, is there a value conflict? Are there, you know, it's, it's, uh, what biases are at play? Yeah. So any assumptions that are playing out here is, yeah, it's really that state. So you come out of the description and observation into what's going on here. Yeah. What's actually happening here, especially if it's like a conflict and a challenging situation, or if you feel something stalls and that sort of the energy is flat. And that, that's where you bring in your ideas, you create some hypotheses, you analyze. So this is where you do critical analysis, really considering all these factors that might be at play. So that stage after you described and observed, you then go into making sense of it. Imagine now I've done this meeting. Yes. And yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I've walked out of that room and I'm like, thank God that's over. Like, I'm really glad yeah. it's done. Yeah. And now I'm doing that critical reflection. Yeah. So yeah. what might be some of the things that I might say to myself? Hi folks, sorry for the quick interruption, but before we continue with this awesome episode, I have a huge favor to ask. If you're enjoying these conversations and you're finding it's giving you value in your daily challenges, then I'd be extremely grateful if you could leave a short review and subscribe to whichever platform you're either watching or listening to this episode on. That's it. Let's get back into the episode. Coming back to this, that looking at the positives in detail is often overlooked. And when I worked in business, you know, that people, uh, businesses have what's called communities of practice where they do that, you know, they come together. So for example, in sales, you know, they do an analysis, why have they lost, uh, you know, these sort of big business to business, long, expensive sales cycles, et cetera. Why have we lost this? What has happened, et cetera. But you can also look at, and that's often not done, is why did it go well? Yeah. 
So for example, if you walk out of your meeting and you have maybe too much negative self-talk just because we had that sort of topic the other day, you think, oh, and that often happens. You know, coaching people often talk about that. They come out to think, oh, this was awful. I should have done this differently. And the perfectionism comes a bit out. And then they actually have really positive feedback. You know, then the critical reflection is like, Oh, you know, what's the disconnect? You know, why am I so hard on myself? How, again, you know, how did the hierarchy play out that these were senior people? How and what else was in, you know, for example, who else was in the room? Yeah, sometimes it's like the boss of the boss, you know, that is putting a lot of pressure on everyone. And that's maybe, you know, what say you were not happy with how it went. Look at, okay, what were the influences that contributed to how you were showing up and or sometimes it's like, you know, actually I, I wasn't given enough time to prepare, you know. So so it really helps with the reframing in particular and of negative things into seeing, okay, what's happened here? What were the factors that played in? And the danger is that if you do too much of that, there is a bit of a danger of not taking responsibility, yeah, to say, oh, it was because of this and this. So, so I think you need to be honest and true with yourself to say, okay, you know, what could I have, what could I have done differently? And that is actually the next step. So you then say, okay, it went, that happened. These were the things at play. What could I have done differently? And then that's the actions. Then, you know, the learning conclusions for next time. So maybe how do I prepare next time myself? Maybe I can also prepare the others a bit more. You know, maybe I didn't send an email in advance and I'll do that. How can I set up? How can I set myself up? And the other people, so the expectations are in line, for example. And yes, and then the cycle starts again. Yeah, so you're experimenting. Okay, so next time then you might experiment with something else. But it's very important. So when I did my coach training, I got a bit caught in that. You know, I did a sort of, thing where I thought, oh, maybe I need to work with values a bit earlier in the coaching. But of course, it doesn't apply for every coachee. Yeah. So it's really that then reflection in the moment, that situational awareness, is it useful here for this situation with these people involved, with these outcomes we're looking for, with the values that are in the company, etc.? So, so that's what it does. Yeah. If you do that sort of after reflection cycle lots and in particular going at these other levels, looking at biases, looking at your thinking patterns, unhelpful thinking patterns, looking at your beliefs, et cetera, again, unhelpful beliefs, then you, you can do that on your feet in the moment. That's really how it all hangs together. Is there any recommendations on maybe how many things you then take forward as actions for mm-hmm. next time? Or yeah. is that pretty much down to you as to what you might be able to handle? So I think, I mean, you know, you can use this in a very technical way for project reviews as well. If you use it for self-development, I think generally it's just a good idea to have, even if you're not, you know, if you don't have a formal development process, like, you know, I'm self-employed and, but, you know, I do that in my conversations in, with my own development activities, but to be focused on what do you want to develop? So you have like a framework it fits in. So really think, okay, next year, 2023, what are the sort of two interpersonal skills you want to develop? And then you come in here, What, what has a big impact on me and my professional development? Because I found it's, you know, it's a shortcut to learning and I found it so helpful in maturing as a professional 
and in particular in to build resilience and dealing with challenges on the way, unanticipated challenges. Thank you so much, Claudia. So if there are people out there who are looking to take this further, what resources, books would you recommend? And the other mm. bit I want to pick up on, I, I know you love sort of visual tools because mm. that's mm. part of your business. Yeah. Are there any templates that you personally use that help your coaches yeah. with this approach? One of the seminal books is from Donald Schoen, The Reflective Practitioner. and But there there are a lot of other books that are you know, that are quite accessible. And if you have had a taste of this already, or maybe, you know, you, you've been trained in this a long time ago and you want to come back to it, then that's a good resource to go to. But if you want something quicker, applying it uh, immediately, just Google on the web. So there's Jenny Moon, like the moon in the sky, that's probably out there now as it's dark. She's written a lot. So she wrote a book about learning journals. And that's also useful to do written reflections because it's structuring your thinking. You're more likely to take commitment to action, etc. So that's quite useful to documenting your reflections because then you can visit them again later on. So Jenny Moon, she's written lots of books. She has web resources. Business schools use her work quite a lot to teach undergrad and postgrads MBAs on reflection. And then also there's the Gibbs Reflective Cycle. So that's G-I-B-B-S, the Gibbs Reflective Cycle. So you find that as well. And Barbara Bassett, B-A-S-S-O-T. So she's written some books as well. And you can just Google, you know, critical reflection, reflective practice, that there's tons coming up sometimes for professions, sometimes a bit more general as well. And Got tools. It. Yeah, so tools. So, I mean, all the visual thinking tools, you know, because they help with making things visible. So they sharpen your observation. So they help you to balance out what you notice. Yeah, so when you describe what happened, again, you're in your autopilot. So all the visual thinking tools, mapping things out. There's also a really good, what I also like is uh, the work of Jennifer Garvey Berger, her leadership mind traps. These are like thinking errors we're likely to make. So our brain takes shortcuts and I'll just run through them very quickly. So, you know, one is our need for control, our need for belonging. So the need to agree with others, groupthink, that kind of thing, to be right, our ego, and then also that we tend to focus on simple stories. We want a beginning, middle and end. So we miss out bits in the middle. So it's this, you know, a lot of the leadership approaches, thinking approaches, you can all use them to deepen your thinking of what you observe, but then also the critical analysis. What's going on here? You know, what's at play? That's unhelpful. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Claudia. That's been an education for me and some great resources there. I'll listen back and actually make sure I pick out some of those books and start to follow up. So Claudia, if people want to get in touch with you and, you know, they're interested to work with you or even pick your brains on things, how can they get in touch? With you? On LinkedIn, that's normally the easiest. Yeah, I'm LinkedIn. My name is Claudia Filsinger. And then the website is moving-maps.com. And yeah, that's probably the easiest. And through you, Paddy, as well, of course. Yay. Awesome. Yes. Just yeah. Ping me a, a message on LinkedIn yeah. and I'll happily put you in touch with yeah. Claudia. So thank you. Yeah, I just want to thank you for your time today and for sharing all of those insights. It's a topic that you're clearly passionate about because I know you and I have talked about this briefly before as well, that this is something you'd love to bring onto the podcast. So I'm really glad we had the opportunity today. Yeah. Great. Thanks, Paddy, for inviting me. And as you say, I really think it's an underused resource. It's pure 
learn to reflect more and more critically. Whatever is thrown at you, you can work on it. You don't need the domain subject matter expertise, in particular in the interpersonal space. It really helps you to move forward in, in a useful and constructive way. So thanks very much. Oh, you're welcome. There you have it, folks. It's the end of another insightful episode. And as always, thank you so much for sticking around to listen to this episode and for helping support me and encouraging me to create more content for you guys. If you'd like to get in touch with me directly, you'll find my email address in the show notes or equally head over to the website and click on the contact link. And I promise I will respond to every single message I receive. I'm always looking for your feedback. So if you'd like me to change things up or improve things, I would love your opinions. If there are topics that you would like us to do future episodes on, or there are other great speakers that you are aware of, then please do mention them and uh, we'll see if we can make it happen. Thank you once again. 